We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Drops and drops back, throws an arcing pass upfield. Reggie Town Fears gathers it in on the dead run and races all the way to score for Los Angeles. A 72 yard touchdown play. First down inside his own five from his own end zone. Sacked in a safety on Rudolph. Aaron Donald and Clay Matthews got to him. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage Ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. a whole burst through it. 20. Side steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still on his feet. 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones needs the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo. Flying solo night on a Saturday night, getting the last part of our week seven preps out to you. The Rams are playing Chicago Bears at home on Monday night. Tonight we have two great guys on the show from the Chicago Audible. That's Will DeWitt and Nick Moriano. They break down everything for us, ranging from the Bears' injuries to how the Bears match up and 
who they think is going to win this game, and I'm sure you can predict who they think is going to win. And of course, I'll leave with my predictions as well. First things first, I'm going to ask you to head over to Apple Music if you haven't left a review for us, and go ahead and leave that. We'd really appreciate it. A five-star review would be outstanding and help us get the charts. And as always, we're very thankful for anything um, that you do to help our help us stay great or get great, however you want to say it. If you do want to leave some feedback for us, because we always look to get better, send us an email, ramstop1945 at gmail.com. You can also leave a voicemail, 657-665-453. We'll be happy to get back with you. All right, so I'm not even going to waste time here. We're going to get a couple quick things out to you, and then let's get into the preview. The injury report for the Rams and the Bears is out, and it's looking a little interesting. Uh, take a look. Tyler Higby, limited in action on Saturday. He's questionable for the game, hand injury. We'll see how that goes. Hopefully that extra day gets him in the game. Everybody else who was listed on the injury report is looking Okay. Aaron Donald was full. That was a non-injury related, so I'm guessing Veterans Day's off. Terrell Henderson had a thigh injury. He was full on Saturday. Robert Woods was limited, but he's not listed in the injury report. As there no no questionable, no nothing. He's he's not limited at all. I mean, not well, he is limited, but he's not listed at all. Troy Hill did not play. Not injury related, and Michael Brockers injury related. So I'm guessing it's a Veterans Day there. And then on the Bears side, though, it's a bit different. Sarah McMahon at safety out. Buster Scrine limited with an ankle injury. Deion Bush hamstring questionable. He was full on Sun on Saturday, so we'll see how he goes. Rashad Howard, a full. He has a finger injury. Easeless is questionable. I'm guessing he's playing. But Khalil Mack was limited with a back injury. He is questionable for the game. I'm guessing he plays. I'm not sure how well he plays, but I'm guessing he plays. See here, Jason Spriggs is questionable with a thumb injury. He did not take part in Saturday practice. Only one name there scares me. Khalil Mack, let's see how that happens. I'm sure the Bears brothers, a.k.a. Chicago Audible guys, would tell me differently if they thought he wasn't going to play. So we'll see how that goes. Let's not waste any more time. Let's hear what they have to say. Check it out. Will DeWitt and Nick Moriano from, that's right, the Chicago Audible. All right, folks, our big Bears weekend preview coming in. The gentleman from the Chicago Audible, I like call them the Bears Brothers, because that's what they were, and that was their outstanding branding. They did a great job with it, and now they have to be the Chicago Audible, and I have to say they have to be. Um, Will DeWitt, back on the show again, and someone new for me to, to harass is Nick Moriano as well. Gentlemen, how you doing? Doing very well. Thank you for having us. Uh, like I told you before we started recording, uh, expect a subpoena now for using the old branding. <laughs> Probably not for me, but from the NFL. But uh, I, I appreciate the loyalty to the old brand. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll change your gaming. No, I'm kidding. But uh, glad to be back on. I know Nick is new to the show for you. So uh, I know usually you had Brandon in the past. Uh, he's no longer with us full time just due to his life. And, is he alive? Uh, so now he. He's still I mean, alive. Yeah. Okay. I just want to check on that. But yeah, yeah first time uh, being on, so this I mean, is exciting. He, I guess make sure. take him for Brand's spot. Well, I mean, Nick, I guess right away, I, just because it's my job in life to make people miserable, let's put you on the spot. Tell us about your bears here. I mean, the Rams and the Ram the Rams and Bears have had some wars. They, they, I'm not just talking the last two years. 
they've had many, many, many wars over the years. Usually the Bears just smashing them. How are you feeling about this Bears team right now being 5-1? and one? Uh, They've had some easier opponents. Or the schedule's gotten tougher. Where do you see this Bears team? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting place. I mean, the Bears, like you said, are 5-1 and one atop of the NFC North. But I know for some fans, and even for me sometimes, it doesn't feel like it, given who they played and how they've won some of these games, primarily coming in fourth quarter comebacks against teams that they shouldn't be down in the fourth quarter anyway. So it was nice to see them beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and even Carolina just last Sunday. And this matchup against the Rams is going to be a good test for to see who these Bears actually are. So I think right now we're still trying to figure it out. Just like the maybe the Rams are trying to still figure out who they are as a team. I think the Bears are still trying to do that. But this is a good test come Monday night, prime time, to see where these two teams are really at. Because given the schedule, how they played, their offense, the Bears offense has a lot of question marks remaining. But we know the Bears defense is good and can be elite. So it's really a mixed bag. and. They are 5-1, and one, though, so there's probably, hopefully, better football to be played later this year. William, how do you, how do you assess this, Will? Well, very similar to Nick. I think the first three weeks, we were very skeptical just looking at the opponents that we played. Losing to the Colts, uh, Nick, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it felt like the sky was falling. Like, oh, this is the team that we have, and it's not going to be pretty. Um, But seeing what they're able to do against Tampa Bay, seeing how they're able to take care of the Panthers, they kind of started to uh, restore and rebuild some of that confidence in this team and the direction that they're heading so far this season. I mean, to be 5-1 and and to be two quarterbacks into this thing, it's uh, very interesting in its own right. To bench a quarterback that technically didn't lose a game this season, but it was just a a point where we felt like we needed to make a change against Atlanta, and it worked. we got to come back in that one. And I think Nick Foles is proving, uh, even in the loss uh, each week, why he's the starter. I'm sure you have questions on that, so I'm not going to totally get into it right now. Um, but where I'm feeling is pretty good. I mean, 5-1, and one, it's it's hard not to say it and not smile at the record that you have. And I know it's a few lackluster opponents early on, but I mean, I think the Giants are starting to show they're a decent football team, even without Saquon Barkley over the last couple of weeks as well. So, I mean, I'm feeling decent. I mean, the Rams had the problems with the Giants as well. I mean, I think Giants, uh, at least we see a toughness with them. Yeah, yeah maybe there's gonna, something there. They're not going to stack up wins uh, right mm-hmm. now, but I do think they've been hanging in most of their ball games. And uh, after losing Barkley in our game, I thought that whole season was going to go right down the tube and they would just fold it up shop. But like you said, a toughness with that Giants team that they're showing, which we're not here to talk Giants, so I'm going to shut up now. But go back to you, there. I do want to throw one jab in there. I mean... When you're talking about the season going down the tube, this team could go down the tubes like at this point four and twelve and maybe win that division. So you're not yeah. wrong. I mean, the NFC least we could all make everybody else can make fun of them right now. The, the thing I really want to ask you guys, but it comes down to Nick Foles. It's been an odd career. We, he played one season with the Rams, didn't go well, never was comfortable. He's been up and down throughout his career, even in Philadelphia, up and down. He's Basically been shipped out twice now, okay? And goes Jacksonville, struggles out in Jacksonville. Everybody struggles in Jacksonville, except for apparently I was gonna say. Gardner Minshaw. Uh, and now he's in Bears land, and he's 5-1. and one. Who's the real Nick Foles here? What, what, what should you, what do you expect from him 
every game out. Well, he's not 5-1. He'd be what, Nick? 3-1 after Mitch is starting earlier this season? Yeah, that's, that's right. So we put him at 3-1. Uh, for me, Nick Foles, who he is, is the word that we've always heard since he's been here in Chicago is streaky. Uh, someone that can get either real hot or real cold. Uh, in, we've seen that in games right now. But what I have noticed from Nick Foles, and this could be different from the Nick Foles that you had, uh, just because it's all about maturation and growth, is just the tremendous leader that he is right now for this football team and for this offense. Uh, the very first comeback that he had uh, against the Falcons when he got entered in that game in the second half, uh, you heard things from the receivers and the people on this offense about just how precise he was in the huddle with how he wanted plays ran, where he wanted receivers to run their routes. And they said they've never even heard anything close to that uh, with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. And it's just that next step of understanding the offense, understanding some of the subtle nuances of how plays should be ran. Uh, he knows how to kind of do some manipulation with his eyes, with his body, to draw defenders to create some bigger windows. Uh, and so there's some other things on the field that you like, uh, but just his leadership. He had a real fiery press conference after our last game uh, just about where this team's at and understanding that the offense is, it hasn't been great, um, but how that actually excites him because he knows and he believes in his guys. He believes they can get better. And after 5-1 and one, with the offense being sub-average, imagine if they can get at least average or perhaps good what the potential of this team can be and. So for me, Nick Foles, what I think he is, is the leader this Bears offense has been missing for years. And I'm excited to see how they can kind of build around him this season in terms of uh, chemistry uh, and execution, because uh, we've been hit or miss with it right now. Um, but I would say the hope is the more he's out there, the more cohesive this unit can become. Uh, and again, I'm not looking at Nick Foles as a long, long term answer or anything, but for this season, uh, I think he's going to give us what we need to succeed more so than who we had under center prior. So, Nick, who is the future quarterback then? If, if Will saying that uh, you don't, you're not really considering him long term. Who is long term? Is is Mitch done there? Is there something down the line for your quarterback situation out there? You know what, Derek? I might as well give you like the winning lotto numbers because I have no idea who is going to be the the quarterback of the future. It's definitely not on this roster. That's what I can tell you. With the Bears declining, Mitch's fifth year option. There's, I just don't see Mitch Trubisky being in the future plans for the Bears. He actually might play later this season, given how Nick Foles' career has been with injuries. So we may see Mitchell Trubisky number ten on on the field for the Bears. But in terms of the future. There's a lot of things in Nick Foles' contracts that are incentive-based. If he makes a Pro Bowl, does well this season, has a certain amount of yards, he'll get paid more and maybe earn himself another year in this offense. And like what Will was saying, if this average, if this offense become average, can Nick Foles just execute plays? I think the big thing with Nick Foles is that he gives the offense the possibility to actually ex- execute a full play, go through each mm-hmm. progression, Find that third receiver that was never an option when Mitch Trubisky was in quarterback and execute. So, but to go ahead and, and answer your question, I really don't know. But if Nick Foles is, can play and continue elevating that level of play, again, executing what Matt Nagy's giving him, he might earn himself another year. And then I'm sure I would expect the Bears to draft a quarterback high and just groom that guy for to be the next Bears quarterback. And we'll go down that roller coaster ride that it always is whenever the bears have a quarterback at 
we just have no idea about. You mean the future next former Bears quarterback? That sounds about. I mean, right. that's how that's how it seems. Watching the Bears over the years is is they they never seem to get it right. I'm 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 not even talking last ten years. I'm going. Geez, since Jim hey, McMahon was the quarterback you're, and Jim you're Harbaugh, it in my whole, our whole lifetimes over here. We know. I'm not trying to, but I'm just thinking back. I know teams that have struggled to to have a franchise quarterback. I mean, you have to put the Bears on the top of the list. What is it with the Bears and, and not being able to find the guy long term? Well, it's it's such a tough. Oh, I'll I'll start here, Will. I mean, it's such a tough uh, answer here because I th- look. Obviously, we'll go to this 2017 draft, and we all know. Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Mitch Trubisky. It it really is I don't, like there's not an answer for why the Bears just can't get it right. I think they're just cursed to, to never get that position right, regardless of what they do, uh, what regardless of who is potentially available. Like you have Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes in that draft, but yet you draft the one guy that you shouldn't, right? So even if the pieces are in place, with maybe it's management, maybe it's like what whatever car Mitch Trubisky was driving up to Hallis Hall that or you know that route that made Ryan Pace want to draft him. Like that was a big storyline in, in 2017. It was the car that Trubisky was driving. Like we got to get this guy. So it's a whole bunch of things that nobody actually has answers to. But will do you have anything better? No, it's a streak of bad decisions by multiple people who have been in and out of leadership positions within the organization. I mean. You can't really summarize it much better than that. Bad decision after bad decision. Uh, I always say this, but I mean, Jay Cutler was a good quarterback, guys. And I, let's not take that for granted, uh, especially looking back at it. Now, was he the end-all, be-all to position? No, but in my lifetime, that's a good quarterback for the Chicago Bears. And we'll get there again, hopefully, one day. <laughs> I mean, I thought the Bears wasted him a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, yeah. you will never know how good Jay Cutler could have been because he spent half his time hurt, and that was because they weren't protecting his, their quarterback. And I look back, though, at that Mr. Trubisky draft, and tell me if I'm wrong, because you guys are the ones who lit it. If I'm talking from a, a Rams perspective, a just a national football perspective, you have to, you had to have been, uh, you had to have not had a fully functional brain to realize that Mr. Trubisky thing was a bad year from the start. I mean, to not realize, I mean, I, I felt that they, when they took Mr. Trubisky, it's like, yep, yeah, that's not going to work. It felt like it at the time, uh, just because you're drafting a quarterback, second overall, uh, Ryan Pace, who was uh, general manager, seemed like he's making some good decisions at the time, and you have to trust the assessment, or at least you wanted to attempt to trust the assessment, and I know... For me personally, I wasn't even looking quarterback until second, third round. And Nick himself had, uh, in his final mock draft, uh, the Bears taking Patrick Mahomes as kind of like a shock factor pick. And, I mean, you got the position right. I think, heck, Nick, you probably got the quarterback right, in theory, um, if they would have done it. Um, But, yeah, it's one of those, even at the time, I think we just got excited because in our lifetime we never had a quarterback drafted so high. Our only other first-round quarterback was, like, Rex Grossman. And so that one was like, hey, maybe it can happen. Maybe this is the guy. And in the, the Rex Grossman days. And, and part of it to me, I have to ask this when it comes to, I'm sorry I'm sticking on Trubisky so much, but I have a lot of questions there. How much of it, though, was the failure of the Bears to develop him? I think that was a huge factor. I mean, in the first season, he was not expected to play. 
That's why they signed Mike Glennon to be this this veteran quarterback to at least play the entire season. But John Fox and that coaching staff has just made the call like, hey, we are better with Mitchell Trubisky, who had 13 career games started at North Carolina. He is a better option for this football team to win than Mike Glennon. So you're forcing Mitch Trubisky to go in there. And I think from what I can remember is that they were pretty um, sheltered with how they kind of wanted to use Trubisky. They wanted to keep everything simple not let him take those shots or, you know, just play football, kind of take those growing pains as a rookie quarterback. So you're, you're sheltering him the first year. John Fox gets fired. A whole new coaching staff comes in. Matt Nagy's in here. And I think Matt Nagy really did try to get the best out of him, put him in positions to to make the best, to use his abilities best. Mm-hmm. But we've had some questionable Nagy's had questionable coaching decisions throughout his Bears tenure, but I think he put him in the best position possible. But to begin, he wasn't supposed to start week five. I believe it was a Sunday night game against the Minnesota Vikings. He was supposed to sit the entire year a lot like just like what Patrick Mahomes did. But given the circumstances, given that Mike Glennon was the starting quarterback, you had to make the change and throw in Trubisky into into the Wolves, you know. So I think it does factor in. But again, look, I think it's just they just picked the wrong quarterback when it all comes when it's all said and done. I remember going to that Carolina game uh, in 2017. We saw Mitch, what, throw 10 passes, 12 passes the entire game. It was there, like you talk about sheltering a guy. I mean, there's your proof. I mean, they wouldn't even trust him to throw the football. It was unbelievable. Like you have a kid that's drafted second overall. He's in like his second, third game. I understand it's early, but like to limit it so much where he's only throwing like 10, 12 times at most. I'm granted the defense won that game for us, but it's crazy. Like Nick said, like the amount of just sheltering to put in place. I think. Honestly, they didn't want to expose him too soon. Uh, and we saw some good things in 2018, um, but teams caught on to it. And what I always talked about it last year was teams adjusted to Mitch and what he was able to do 2018. And then Mitch was unable to kind of like take that next step and counter them back. And that's kind of where we sit. Looking at the rest of the Bears offense right now, when you, when you line them up against what you see for the Rams defense, what can they do to really hurt the Rams? Not run the football. I know that's so I know we were talking like, hey, the Bears, they maybe they can run the football, take advantage of this Rams front seven in that aspect. But what we've seen from this Bears offensive line is not much. They lost their left guard, James Daniels, two weeks ago, last week against the Carolina Panthers. They have Rashad Coward starting in his spot. He's a liability. If Aaron Donald is at any point lined up at Rashad Coward, you need you need the other four offensive linemen to really help him out to block this man. It, it was that bad. And I think with, with this Rams off or with this this Rams defense, Bears offense, if you're looking for somebody that can do damage, that can really hurt this this Ram this Rams defense, it's gonna have to be Allen Robinson. But most likely Jalen Ramsey's gonna be on the opposite side of him. And we know how that matchup kind of went the last time they played. It didn't go in Allen Robinson's favor. So that's the one guy I look to. I know um, Will maybe Darnell Mooney is another guy that's the Bears' fifth-round draft pick who's been making some splash plays for this Bears offense. Again, granted, this hasn't been a good offense, but if I'm looking to attack this Rams defense, it's going to be with those two guys because right now there hasn't been a lot of guys that have been producing. 
Yeah, I don't know if I can add too much. I mean, it's it's been a struggle to put up points. I'll tell you uh, here, and we're hopeful Jimmy that Graham? Can, that's where I was going next with those linebackers. Perhaps you have Jimmy Graham. Uh, he's been very consistent for us and a kind of a resurgence for his career, especially in the red zone, already four red zone touchdowns this year, which is uh, near the top of the NFL, and they really like to target him down there. So. Uh, we've seen Jimmy Graham come up with a few clutch third down catches as well against Carolina on some uh, option routes. And this is where you can start seeing that uh, heavy veteran uh, kind of play coming from both Foles as well as Graham. They're starting to build that chemistry of understanding uh, inside versus outside leverage and knowing where to go on that route. And I don't think we've seen that in Chicago with Trubisky one bit. And now we're starting to see it kind of evolve uh, with Graham, and again, maybe not this week, but as the season goes on and Foles gets more work at this guy's that extending out to like an Allen Robinson uh, as well. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, don't expect them to do a lot on the ground. A couple guys that can potentially do some damage to the year. I mean, David Montgomery, even though he's not rushing well, he has been a very vital part of this Bears passing attack as well. Uh, they have to find ways to have a run game which is not a run game with quick passes to your running back into the perimeter uh they've tried screens they've been very hit or miss so far Uh, they're a very poor screen team last year um so yeah finding just those extensions of the passing game wheel routes for running backs has been a big one so if you do get a linebacker on one of our running backs that may be another potential area to look out for as well i i think jimmy key was jimmy graham was a great point jimmy graham has hurt the Rams in the past. And then, you know, George Kittle just torched the Rams last week. They had no answers for him, despite the fact that they have that secondary out there. You know, that's a perk spot, really kind of that soft belly of the Rams defense. And that's where I, that's where I'm concerned. I'm really concerned about the linebacking core and what they can do. You mentioned the offensive line. When I'm thinking of the Bears offensive line, They've been so up and down throughout the history. I mean, I've seen some good ones. I've seen some bad ones. When you're dealing with basically Aaron Donald and who knows who else, what are your concerns with the pass rush? Oh, very, very concerning, just given how this Bears offensive line has performed. But I know that they've done, you know, I would say a decent job. It's kind of mitigating the damage from Aaron Donald in the past two meetings. But I don't. I think this is by far the worst Bears offensive line that we've seen uh, through the first six games. And that's not, I think, you know, I'm not saying that lightly, to, to be completely honest. Like, our best, supposed to be the best uh, Bears offensive lineman, Cody Whitehair, is struggling. You have J- uh, Jermaine Fetty, who is a new addition this year at right guard. He's, he'd arguably be will be the best guard or be the best lineman that the Bears have. And that, I think, is saying a lot. The tackles have been Charles Leno Jr. is consistently giving up pressure. Bobby Massey is a step slow most times and not. So when it comes to pressure, and it doesn't even matter, I think, at this point, who the Rams have outside of Aaron Donald, Nick Foles will end up on the ground. Maybe he might not get sacked. So the Bears, I think they've done a decent job because Nick Foles does get the ball out pretty quickly. But we, I just talked about this earlier. We may see Mitch at some point because Nick Foles can't stay healthy. This line isn't going to help him to stay upright for the entire season. So I am very concerned about pressure. Nick, Rashad Coward versus Aaron Donald. Don't. That's. I'm going to have nightmares now because yeah, I know. 
It's it's bothersome. He's playing left guard. Our starting left guard, uh, James Daniels, is out mm-hmm. for the year with a torn pec, so he's been inserted in place. He played right guard for us a year ago. He's someone that's transitioned actually from uh, defensive tackle a couple years ago for us. He went from defensive tackle to a project right tackle to a right guard who's now playing left guard. It's And he's not been good uh, when he's been out there. He played a lot last year, and we're seeing very much the same thing. Uh, he was on the ground a ton last week against Carolina. So, and on top of that, Derek, you were telling us on our show, like, you know, teams are tripling, quadrupling Aaron Donald. The bears don't have that luxury uh, to do that. Uh, even if they do put heavy sets into our tight ends, like just with everyone struggling, they can't even risk doing something like that and putting more people on Island. So I would envision him getting maybe double teams. I, I think it would be foolish to give him single matchups all game mm-hmm. long, but I don't think you'll see more than a double for him. More than double. I mean, just getting one, I'd be happy with right now. I mean, <laughs> they didn't get any sacks last weekend. I mean, uh, the numbers are, are fool's gold in terms of what the Rams have put up sacks-wise. And they lost a couple guys who would make an impact uh, defensively. So looking at what the Rams can offer the Bears, I mean, I still stick with the, the running game. You mentioned tight ends. I'm, let's flip it around. With this Bears defense right now being what they are against the Rams offense that has some weaknesses, there's talent all over the place, but weaknesses, how do you think the Bears are going to attack them? They're going to try to get pressure. They're going to have to. Um, It really will depend on their ability to stop the run, Um, but I do think uh, with the Bears uh, being able to crash off the edges with uh, Mac as well as Quinn. Uh, we've gotten some other guys in rotation that's starting to heat up as well. I think they're going to try to get the golf in a hurry because I think they just know uh, that that's going to be the formula for their success if they allow golf to sit back there. I think our secondary can match up well, but you give any offense time, uh, it's not going to bode well. So for me, my first one would be pressure on golf and just try your damnedest to stop the run if you can. And the Bears have gotten better over the last few weeks of doing it. Um, but I think we're still very skeptical of their ability to do it on a consistent basis. Right, Nick? Yeah, but I will say this, Will. I think this Bears defense is just starting to heat up in terms of all-around play becoming better. You saw the pass rush, and just in the last two games, five different players have sacks. So you're seeing a multitude of guys getting involved in that area. So it's not just coming from Khalil Mack, who himself can probably get a double team on every single play and still find a way to win that matchup. But now Danny Trevathan, who the middle linebacker for the Bears, struggled first two weeks, was just a step slow, was not filling his running lanes. He's starting to play better, and this secondary, I think, has been the most consistent part of this Bears defense. So right now I'm seeing a a Bears defense that is definitely ascending. And I think, look, I never like to call officiating into – uh, why this Bears defense isn't as good as it is, but A. Jackson had some pick sixes that have been taken away. I, he's mm-hmm. a ball hawk looking to really get into the end zone, so he's going to be opportunistic. Jalen Johnson, the Bears' second-round draft pick, he's been balling out alongside Kyle Fuller, so this Bears defense, they're hitting its stride right now, and this is going to be a good offense, a good test for them, but they, they, they had a good test last week against Carolina with Teddy Bridgewater, how he was playing, Robbie Anderson being the fourth-leading receiver in terms of yards going into that game, they passed the test with flying colors. This will be a good matchup, but I think this Bears defense is really just getting started. So, 
I, I, Nick, I'm going to start with you and then go to Will. What's the X factor for you in this game? What what makes the difference either way, Bears win or Rams win? Yeah, so if I just want to stick on the defensive side, I think in the last matchup, Cooper Cup was lined up against Buster Screen and hit a huge play down the left sideline. Buster Screen's been a guy that's been been targeted a lot lately. He has he's given up some plays here and there, and I know it's hard to just pinpoint it on one guy, but if the Rams and Jared Goff are able to have a lot of success against the Bears nickel corner and Buster Screen, I think that just really opens up a lot of things that this Rams offense can do. And if look, the Rams could take advantage of the Bears' best unit being their defense. I don't, I don't have that much faith in the Bears' offense to consistently put a game plan together that they're going to be able to get in a shootout. They have the Bears' defense has to show up. Buster Screen has to have a good matchup against whoever's in the slot for the Rams. So that will be my X factor going into this one. Buster Screen's play against whoever that slot receiver is, if it's Cooper Cup or wh- whoever, he needs to be able to win that matchup. Well, I just think it's going to come down to what it's came down to every game for the Chicago Bears, and that's that defense not breaking. Uh, They've given up yards. They've given up long drives. um, But what they've done a very good job at is keeping teams out of the end zone. Number one in the NFL, I'm in the red zone uh, by a hefty margin. Uh, Right now, only allowing touchdowns on 36% of their red zone trips uh, over the last three games. 30%. 30%. So less than a third of those trips are coming away uh, in the end zone for these offenses. And I know the Rams themselves on offense have been about average in the red zone this season. Uh, so I think if the Bears can do what they have been, and that is if they allow the yard, so be it. Uh, I've been, as Nick knows, coming around to that because early on the season, we're getting frustrated because we've seen this team be one of the best in terms of limiting yards and points. And they've been giving up drives, and it's frustrating to watch during the game. Uh, but when teams are only settling for field goals and field goals attempts, and they have five drives that reach inside the 20, but they only have 15 points to show for it, it's, it puts the Bears in a position to win. And that's what we've been uh, accustomed to so far this season. But if the Bears allow these yards that I expect to happen, happen, and they struggle in the red zone uh, against an offense that I don't think they should really struggle. I mean. The Rams are 20th right now in the NFL in red zone offense. But if they find a way to struggle and they allow some of these guys to uh, get six points and they put up a couple of touchdowns uh, with this Bears offense's inability to score points, and I know your defense has been doing a good job as well of keeping teams out of the end zone. Uh, I think that's what it really was going to come down to. I hate to say score more points than the other team because that's not what I'm trying to say here. I think it really is this red zone uh, execution for this Bears defense as well as uh, for the Rams offense. I already know the Bears are going to struggle to move the ball. I know the Bears are going to struggle to find the end zone. Uh, so for me, it's just how much can the Bears continue to bend but not break? And if they break, it's not going to be good. The Bears offense is going to have a hard time scoring 20-plus points. So they need to find a way to limit the amount of points scored, which if you look at the last few games that we've had, Derek, it's points are hard to come by. And I expect that to be exactly the same way here come Monday night. All right. So I hate to do this. Nah, I'm lying. I love to do it. Make a prediction, guys. Honest prediction is as objective as you can be. Who wins it? I'm going to start with Will. Nice. Awesome. I'm going to go Bears. Uh, I don't have my official score prediction, Nick. So if I change this for her podcast tomorrow, uh, don't be surprised. Nick and I have a friendly wager 
going on this year for our season picks. So uh, we do have stakes on these. But uh, for me, I'm going to go Bears, and I'm going by the ever-so-ugly 18. I'm going to do 18-12 game. Bears are allowed four field goals. Yeah, I'll go 18-12 Bears. I wouldn't be surprised if even like 15-12, and it's a field goal fest up here on Monday night, which I'm sure they would love those ratings of this having two kickers go at it. But yeah, I don't expect a lot of points scored at all. So, and I mean, I'm not, no disrespect to your offense, but just what the Bears defense has been able to do. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the last two matchups, what the scores have been 17 to 7, 15 to 6, 45 total combined points by both teams in the last two matchups. It, it just, when this game happens, when the Bears and Rams meet up like they do every year, it's not the best football in terms of scoring points. So I don't think it's, what if the outliers is going to be a 30 to 33 game? No, right. I think it will be something along the lines of 17, 13, 17, 14, low scoring, close the entire way. We're all, we're both going to be on the edge of our seats in the fourth quarter, seeing what's going to happen next. That's what all bears games have been this entire season. We're just waiting to the very last play. Of course, like, Okay, they won. They're 5-1. But, yeah, 17-14. I'll stick with the Bears here on this one as well. Again, like I was talking about with that defense, it is just getting started. So when you have even secondary, like, role players like a Bilal Nichols who are getting sacked and they're starting to implement more stunts in their defensive scheme, that could cause a problem for Jared Goff. Um, but, again, we'll see. It's always a close matchup, but I have the Bears winning this one 17-14. Like you like the pretty scores, and I like to go with those more harder to get ones. And it worked out for me last week because uh, last week my prediction was twenty-one to sixteen, and those the Bears won twenty-three sixteen. So I had a hunch that the field goals were coming, and I feel like we're going to be in the same. So for your listeners, uh, if Cairo Santos is available in your fantasy league, I'm looking to pick him up. Uh, so this is another fun fact that he's been playing pretty well. Kickers on our end right now aren't popular, <laughs> so. I know, you just took one from our practice squad. I mean, well, I mean, because Sam Sloman's struggling out here, and and so you're talking about the Rams having four field goals. I would... See, now that's that's why it's the X factor. Keep them out of the end zone, and then your field goals are iffy. Then that just... You're making my point for me. That's what what I appreciate. I'm 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 talking about the point in terms of 18-12. I'm not sure I'll roll the 12 points there. I would probably roll something. I'm not seeing four field goals coming out of this team. But, (laughs) hey... You Four field goals on six attempts. How about that? That might be better. All right. So all that said, can you let folks know again where they can find your work, where they can find everything you guys do? Yeah. Uh, you can find us on Twitter if you'd like to follow some live tweets for games or just bear stuff in general this week at Chicago Audible. Um, if you're looking for a video version of our podcast, just find uh, the Chicago Audible on YouTube. And if you want to listen to our podcast in general, it's Literally anywhere you listen to podcasts, wherever you're listening right now, uh, to Derek and his crew, uh, just search up Chicago Audible, and uh, I'm sure you'll find us. All right. So thanks so much for coming to the show. It's always great. And here's hoping we're talking again this season. That means playoffs. It does Fingers mean crossed. playoffs, and I hope so too. Have a great one. All right, there you have it. They both think the Bears win a, win a close one. And I have to be honest with you, my feelings on this game have sort of evolved since Wednesday. I think it's going to be a tough game. I think there's a lot of bad matchups there for the Rams. Uh, even last night I mentioned those matchups, but it's time for me to get that prediction. And I got to say, at home, 
I think the Rams win this game. I think it's going to be a close one. I think that it's going to be a little ugly at times. I just like the fact that they're coming home. I don't think the Bears have really played a schedule that's really scary to me. It has been getting tougher piece by piece, but nothing they've done has been really all that impressive. And I think the key part is the Bears' offensive line. The Rams just need to get a little bit of pressure out there, get a little bit out there, and the Bears offensively don't scare me. They have a couple weapons that I think would be great if they can get the ball to them, but nothing scares me. The Bears' defense is going to be a problem for the Rams. They will get to, they will get to Jared Goff. They're going to need the ball out quickly. They need to protect Jared Goff, get the, the running backs involved, get the receivers involved early. But I think this game may be a game where they hit Joe Everett more, use his athleticism, try and avoid being as many in as many running situations as they want to be because, I mean, their big run blocker out there on the, on the side is is Higby, and we don't know how much he's going to play in this game. So we'll see. I, I don't know what to make of a game plan. I just know the Rams need to run the ball if they can, and they need to get the ball out quickly. They're going to see a mad pass rush on Monday night. So there you go. My, my prediction, Rams win 2017. Close one. Uh, might not be twenty. Might be nineteen sixteen because these guys can't, can't kick field goals or kick extra points. So we'll see. Anyways, that's all I got for you. Tune in on Monday night late. Well, I'm not gonna lie to you. It might not be Monday night. It might be too late. If we have a pregame show, if we have a postgame show, expect it to be out there immediately following the game. If not, look for it on Tuesday, and Mike and I will break this one down for you. In the meantime, follow us on Facebook at Rams Talk or in the Rams Talk room for our group. Get us on Twitter at Talk Rams. The website again is RamsTalk.net. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paula. Check us out. We're glad to have you. Until next time, we're out of here. in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva paper towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva paper towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.